0: In your love, with saints on earth and saints above, we join in full accord to grasp the breadth, length, depth and height, the crucified and risen might of Christ, the incarnate Word. Speak to us now, O Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, recently I was re-watching the Disney film Hercules. I don't know if you know the story of Hercules very well, and I have to confess, I'm not much of a scholar of ancient Greece or of Greek myth. I am, however, a bit of an expert on the Disney film. I know most of the words off by heart. I'm going to try really hard to resist the urge to sing at you this morning, for which you will be very grateful. Uh, It is tempting, but I'll hold off. but forgive me if I don't stick too closely just now to the actual ancient Greek, Greek myths. But in the film, at Disney, the son, uh, Hercules, the son of Zeus, is made mortal by Hades, the king of the underworld. And he has to become a hero so that he's able to rejoin his father on Mount Olympus and thwart the evil plans of Hades. As the song puts it, he needs to go from zero to hero. And so off Hercules goes on his quest to become this hero. He does all sorts of really brave things. He saves children, he defeats monsters, he rescues damsels in distress. And once he thinks that he's finally done all that he could possibly do, he's done all sorts of these wonderful things, he goes to speak with his dad, Zeus. Well, daddy says, I've done it. I can't wait to see Mount Olympus. Only there's a bit of bad news from Zeus. You've done good things, son, he says. I'm proud of you, but you're not a hero. Well, poor Hercules is defeated. He doesn't know what else he could possibly do to become a hero. And then along comes comes the love interest, Meg. Well, Meg dies and Hercules is willing to give up his own life to save her. And it's in that moment in the film that Hercules becomes a hero. Hercules' idea of what a hero was, I venture to say, is something similar to what the disciples thought that they were getting in Jesus. Jesus was come to be a hero, someone to save the day, to defeat the monsters, to rescue the people in their distress. Jesus, a superhero. I don't know if you've seen those t-shirts with that on. Just before the passage that we heard from Mark's gospel today, Jesus has asked the disciples who they think he is. And Peter has declared, you are the Messiah. And the disciples thought they knew what that meant. Who Jesus was and what he would do. He was the promised one. The hero who had come to change the world, to save the people, to overthrow the Romans and to sit on the throne as a king. They had all sorts of expectations for what the Messiah, for what Jesus was going to do, for who he was. But as we heard, Jesus is pretty quick to correct their misunderstandings. Like any good teacher, Jesus knew that his students hadn't quite grasped what he was trying to teach them. And so we read that he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days, rise again. It's not going to be as you expect it, he says. I am the Messiah but that doesn't mean what you think it does. I will save you, but not in the way that you think. It's not going to be an easy journey. I will be rejected, he says. I will die. But after three days, I will rise. Death. What kind of a Messiah dies? I doubt that's what Peter thought that he was signing up for, when he responded to Jesus' call to come and follow. This isn't the kind of inspirational and aspirational leader that the disciples were hoping for. So Peter decides that he's gonna have a word with Jesus. Uh, We don't hear, in Mark's version of the story at least, exactly what it is that Peter says to Jesus, only that he rebukes him. He has strong words for his teacher the shocking nature of what Jesus is telling his disciples about, all the things that he says are going to happen, it's just too much. As far as Peter and the other disciples knew, as far as they understood, Jesus has it all wrong. And as ever, it's the confident Peter who steps forward to speak up. Well, I bet he soon wishes that he hadn't. Uh, Jesus responds to Peter And I think it's interesting to note that he turns to all of the disciples because Jesus knows his students. And he says, get behind me, Satan. Strong words for a teacher to say to a pupil. Jesus has not long returned from facing many temptations in the desert. And we have echoes of that here. Here is the temptation in Peter's words. Of course, Jesus could have been that kind of a messiah. He could have been all that they were expecting. He could have satisfied his own needs, led armies and overthrown earthly rulers by force. He could have done that if Jesus had been giving in to the temptations that he faced in the wilderness. And so when Jesus tells Peter off, He's also speaking to himself, reinforcing his own decision and determination to follow the path that God has laid before him, to cast aside temptation. You may also have had that experience in life. You may have made a decision, taken a commitment to follow God's will for your life. And just as you have made that decision, you face temptation. All of a sudden, it seems like everywhere you go, you're faced with just what you have turned your back on, sometimes even from friends and those closest to you. I know that I have been faced with that in my life. Well, just like Jesus, we need to be strong. We need to remember who it is that God calls us to be and what temptations we need to turn away from when they come our way. I feel like the sound has improved. Can you hear me better now? Yeah. The disciples were struggling to get it clear who Jesus is and what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah. Of course, the disciples soon realized that if the Messiah wasn't quite what they thought, then all their own plans for grand parades and throne rooms filled with glory were probably out of the window too. What would the future look like with a Messiah who's going to suffer and die? Well, Jesus is about to let them know exactly what they need to be prepared for. But Jesus doesn't just address the disciples. He calls all of the crowd who are around them to listen to what it means to follow Jesus, the Messiah. He speaks to them and he speaks to us. There is a cost to discipleship. It will take total commitment. It will mean walking the same path that Jesus is walking. Discipleship involves self denial, rejection, suffering, and death. And this focus on suffering and rejection is a lesson that reverses all the expectations the disciples had of how Jesus was to change the world. Jesus wants them to know what he is calling for from them, what it means to walk in God's kingdom ways. Jesus doesn't shy away from the cost of discipleship. He doesn't pretend that there won't be pain and a need to actively choose the way of God over the ways of the world. But Jesus also offers life. He speaks of his own resurrection, of that glorious moment. Now I know what you're thinking, don't jump ahead till Easter, we're only in the second week of Lent. But our reading today not only speaks of Jesus' death, but also of his rising again. We are told, yes, of the cost of discipleship, but also of all that we gain. Jesus says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. Death is a fact of life. None of us can run from it or escape it. I feel like we know that all too well in our congregation at the moment. But in Jesus, we are offered life, life in all its fullness. Life eternal. There is no resurrection without death. But with Jesus we have the promise of the hope of the resurrection. Following Jesus is hard. It asks a lot of us. The path can sometimes be rocky. But we don't walk alone. We follow the footsteps of Christ and we are accompanied by the Holy Spirit. This morning we have baptised little Samuel. We have welcomed him into the family of the church. And when Tony baptised Samuel, he marked his forehead with water and he made the sign of the cross. A reminder for all of us of what our baptism means. We are given so much. We are loved unconditionally by God. And through God's grace and mercy, we are offered life in all its fullness. We are invited to come, to follow God, to make that choice. I pray that in the years to come, Samuel will make that choice for himself, as we each must do. We have a choice whether we choose to follow the way of Christ. As long as we believe that life is about us, We will continue to try to exercise power over others. We will try to save ourselves, control our circumstances, and maybe even rebuke Jesus. Jesus rarely exercised power over others or tried to control circumstances, he simply made different choices. Self-denial is not about being out of control or being powerless, it's about the choices that we make. Jesus chose to give in a world that takes, to love in a world that hates, to heal in a world that injures, to give life in a world that kills. He offered mercy when others sought vengeance. Forgiveness when others condemned, and compassion when others were indifferent. He trusted God's abundance when others said there was not enough. With each choice, he denied himself and showed that God was present. Like Hercules, we each need to learn that the path to life, to life with our Father, means being willing to give it all up for love. This Lent, I pray that we will all choose to walk the path of discipleship, that we will choose to follow Jesus, even knowing that the way won't be easy, that we will have to carry our cross. But as we walk, we do so with our eyes fixed up on the cross and beyond to an empty tomb. Amen. We're going to sing again. From heaven you came, helpless